verse 8. Now, this is the first thing I feel like the Lord's saying uh, this morning that He wants to do. Um, Ephesians 3, verse 8. It says, to me, well, this is not the first thing that God wants to do. God's already been doing so much. It's ridiculous, isn't it? This is the first thing I think there's an impartation thing I believe God wants to release. It says, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. This grace was given. There's a grace that God wants to release. There's a grace that God wants to release. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable, and I think some uh, translation or a translation is it unfathomable. Is that a, is that one? Is that where that word is? Unfathomable. The unfathomable. I like unfathomable better. Unfathomable riches of Christ. Um, I saw something the Lord was doing the other night with Veronica. I thought, know where you were going, but the Lord got on. We prayed. Uh, I guess it was Thursday night or sometime, and the Lord came uh, and was all over Veronica, and. You know, the Lord just had fire on her. There was just fire all over that girl. And she was just acting like somebody on a warpath. That's the way she was acting. This is not to embarrass you, Veronica. But she was going around here praying in Spanish and just getting really wild. That, you know, it reminded me of, you know, somebody fixing to get in a, in a fight with somebody. But I saw something come on, Veronica. And what I saw was I saw an anointing to preach to come on her. But what I didn't see is she. When it came time when she spoke out and tried to preach. She couldn't do it. It didn't really. It didn't really come out. Uh, even though I saw there was an anointing, there was something God was doing in Veronica to preach the gospel, to preach the unfathomable riches of Christ, Veronica. Yeah, she stood up and she tried to. It was like you know, like you're trying to do something. You just don't connect. You ever? You know what I'm saying? You don't connect. It just doesn't, doesn't work. And I believe that was the Lord for Veronica. Because, see, I think there's an aspect of learning that we have to go through. Now, I believe the Lord does come on people and anoint them powerfully. You know what I'm saying? And they do stuff they really can't do. You know what I'm saying? Y'all with me? But there's also an aspect where God has a calling on your life to do something. Okay? Where he is expecting, you're going to be doing that uh, in season and out of season, so to speak. You hear? You know the difference? And that's really why Veronica couldn't make the connection. Now, I'm just using Veronica as an example. She couldn't make the connection then because that thing that God was doing in her was not just for that moment. It wasn't just for that special time that the Lord was coming. It was something that he was trying to impart to her a new spiritual gift. Yeah, lifelong to go along with her other ex- excellent shepherding gift. God's calling you to be a preacher, Veronica. Okay? And the reason that thing wouldn't come out, so to speak, the other night is because it's going to, you're going to preach whether that anointing's all over you like that or not because it's coming from within you. It's coming from inside of you. It's something bigger than you. You hear what I'm saying? There's some people that flat God at times, some of you, that God's going to use you. And you're going to have a, like a shot where it's going to be powerful. Okay? But it's not going to be like you walking that thing on a regular basis. You hear me? You understand what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good too. We need to go after that. But I think what God is saying and wanting to do 
is he was imparting a gift to preach the unfathomable riches of Christ on Veronica. And he wants you, Veronica, to learn how to preach. Learn how to preach. You hear what I'm saying to you? He wants you to learn how to preach. He wants to teach you how to preach. In other words, he wants to teach you some, what would, some people would not really even agree with that, some mechanics of preaching, the mechanics of relating to people on that level. You hear what I'm saying to you? And I believe there's a connection that will come. So I want Veronica to come up here. Okay? Anybody else feel like they have a calling like that to preach and you don't feel like you can? Anybody in this room this morning? If you'd like to come up, because I think God wants to do an impartation. Where He's going to enable you and teach you how to preach. This is really important. Because you see, the revival that God's bringing, He's needing some preachers. And He's not just looking for preachers who can preach at the height of the crescendo, so to speak. You know, we need those. I'm not putting those down. I encourage that. Go for it. But there's other kind of preachers that God needs. There are preachers who in season and out of season, over the course and span of their life, they will preach the gospel. And as soon as we pray for them, I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. Okay, I'm going to show you that what I've, I've just said to you is very biblical and very sound. That what, this is what God wants to do. Anybody else? All right, let me just ask you this. Anybody would like to preach? Would anybody just like to be able to preach the unfathomable riches of Christ? Well, come on up here, Don. Now, we're talking like to. Because, you see, I, I wanted to do some things. They didn't necessarily feel like God spoke to me about any. I just wanted to do it. I saw people doing it. I'd like to do that, Lord. Anybody else? Come on up here. If you want to do this, God is saying He is looking for people who will open their mouth and be able to speak the Word of God. Now, I don't know that all, any, all you going to be before great audiences. You might have an audience of one. Yeah. But you may have audiences of thousands and millions over your life. We used to have some. <laughs> now what we're just going to ask, ask the Lord to do is to impart just what He was doing on Veronica. Impart. But I'm going to give you guys a charge to you. Jim, go ahead and start anointing them. Jim's a good preacher. You can anoint Do you really want to preach the gospel? I mean, is that something that's been in your heart for years, that you've wanted to speak the good news of Jesus Christ and see it penetrate men and women's hearts and do miracles? Is that really in you? Is that really in you? Okay, now you take a step of faith right now, because I believe I'm anointed to anoint you, to preach the good news and for it to work. But you've got to prepare yourself. You've got to spend hours in the Word. You've got to spend hours on your knees. And you've got to spend hours practicing your craft. Because it is in season and out of season. But today is a day of your commissioning. Today is a day that you're commissioned to preach the good news. Amen. You get what he just said? It's not just getting prayed for right now. It is giving yourself. 
Uh, every preacher needs to know something about what the Bible says. You know, <laughs> every preacher needs to be a student of the Word. You hear what I'm saying to you? You can't be preaching false doctrine. You got to be preaching the truth. Not just a bunch of stuff you think's the truth. You got to find out it's the truth. And really, you're going to have to dig your own well. Okay? You're going to have to dig your own well. You hear me? You're going to have to dig your own well. Do you understand what that means? You're going to have to dig your own well on this. Now, I feel like one of the things the Lord showed me about what He is currently beginning to do is a new well. It's not an old well. You know what I'm saying? There's old wells and new wells that you can drink out of. You hear what I'm saying to you? The old wells were already dug by somebody else. We can just go dip our cups into the waters and drink. The new wells are wells that we have to dig. The new well that God wants to do, and this what God's going to do, I'm telling you what God's going to do on the earth, it's a new well. It's a new thing that God wants to do. It's not going to be like it was the last time God really moved. Now, there's going to be elements of it. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be elements of it, but it's going to be different. And we've got to be sensitive to the Lord and be careful to hear what God's doing. And not just jump out there and start doing a bunch of stuff because we know God did this, this is the way He did it in the past. We've got to be sensitive, Lord. We've got to dig a new well. And that's what God's calling us to do right now. And that's what God's saying to you guys. Dig your own well. Dig your own well. Don't you just depend on everybody else. Don't depend on, you know, Joe Blow preacher or Joe Blow Bible teacher. Use what they've got. Integrate what they've got into your life, but you've got to find your own thing. Because you'll never make much of a preacher if all you've got is somebody else's stuff. You know, a sad preacher you are if you're just preaching your favorite preacher's messages. You've got to hear God speak to you through the Scripture. You've got to hear God speak to you through the Scripture. And you're not going to get there in a day. You hear me? Just on behalf of the women, the Lord has just brought this back um, to me yesterday, and then Tommy brought it this morning during worship team practice. Just on behalf of the women, it is written, The Lord gives the word, and the women who proclaim good tidings are a great host. Great is the host of women who will preach the word of God. Women just be released into the preaching of the word. We believe in women preachers. You know why we believe in the women of preachers? Not our opinion. What does that scripture just say? That's why we believe in women preachers. Great is the host of women. You hear me? It's because the Bible says it. Don't matter what we think. Let me let me just say one other little thing that's important. Forget your opinion. Forget my opinion. What does the Bible say? We, that's, that's the kind of attitude we gotta have. What does the Bible say? You may not like women preachers. Well, that's too bad. Obviously, God likes them. So we want to get into what God likes. Yes. All right. they, while He's just anointing them, we're going to go on. So I want you to turn to Acts 20, everybody who's sitting in their seat. Yeah, amen. Grace and preaching. And I want to talk to you just to very briefly about the Ephesian Revival. In the Bible, there was a thing called the Ephesian Revival. They don't actually say that in Scripture, but there was a revival in the Ephesian church that I think God wants to speak to us about this morning. Yeah, release it. Okay, uh, Acts 20, verse 17. 
It says, From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. Everybody remember that. Call for the elders of the church. Okay? If you are an elder in this church this morning, you're in trouble. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you're a pastor in this church, you're in trouble. If you are a volunteer pastor in this church, and you know who you are if you're a volunteer pastor, you're in trouble this morning. Okay? Because I'm telling you, I feel like God gave me something for everybody who's going to be involved in that ministry and who's already involved in that ministry this morning. It says, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. There you go, preachers. That's some instructions from the Lord, that you hold back nothing. Hold back nothing. Hold back nothing. Do it in the house and do it publicly. That's what Paul did. He did it in the house and he did it outside the house. Testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance, this is your message, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. It's right there in the Bible. And see how I go bound in spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of, the Lord, of God. Um, verse 24, for everybody, especially if you got prayed for just then, and getting prayed for. Everybody ever is getting prayed for? Verse 24 is real important for you. I didn't tell you where it was at. I'm sorry. Acts 20. Acts 20, verse 24. is where we're at. Let me read that again. But none of these things... This is the Apostle Paul talking. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. All right, let me tell you some things. Number one, he didn't count his life dear to himself. If you're going to preach the gospel, okay, if you're really going to preach the gospel, you are going to have to not count your life dear to yourself. And that's the truth. God is going to take you and put you in situations that you would definitely prefer not to be in. Okay, God is going to put you in situations that you don't know why you're even in them. And you're just going to be sitting there wondering, why am I in this situation, Lord? And it's because you've got to quit living for yourself. You hear what I'm saying to you? We've got to start living for something greater than what we've lived for. Now, I'm telling you, this is really the truth from the Bible. If we think we're going to get anywhere in the Lord besides being nominal Christians, and I just feel like, you know, for the most of us, and I'm counting myself in that most, we're pretty nominal. We're pretty one-dimensional. You know, we can do certain things, but we can't do the complete package. And God's calling us to a complete, complete biblical Christianity. You know, and there's a cost that comes with that complete biblical Christianity. And the cost is you, you can't count your life dear to yourself. God's going to place you in situations that you're not going to have the answers. He's going to put you in situations that you'd rather not be in. It's going to stink in those situations. It's going to smell bad. It's going to be repulsive to your flesh. You're not going to want to be there. 
You hear what I'm saying to you? I want to paint a real picture for you. If you really want to be a preacher of the gospel, if you really want to be a person who carries the gospel message, and isn't that what it's all about? Because look what Paul said here. He said, uh, he said, none of these things move, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish whose race? Whose race did he want to finish? That's almost right. It, I mean, that's ultimately right. But there's one more thing. Let's, let's bring it down one more level. My race. Everybody, everybody say my race. Do you know God has a race for you to run? Guess what? Leo ain't going to be able to run my race. As much as Leo would like to say, Byron, I'll run it for you. I'm going to have to say, Leo, I wish you could, man, but I can't, you can't do it. You've got your own personal race that you've got to race and you've got to complete. You've got to take this thing personal this morning. You've got to take the gospel real personal. You've got to stop whining about everybody else and about how everybody... See, that's what's wrong with us. We've, 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 we've gotten ourselves so narrow-minded about what we're doing that we've missed the big picture. The big picture is the gospel. The gospel of grace. And see, we're so hung up in our little world that we live in, our little church world, our little work world, or whatever little world that really you're all into. And there's a bigger world out there. It's called the gospel. That's the world God wants us to live in. I had this experience um, Friday morning. I was praying, and the Lord gave me a word. And the word He gave me was genocide. Genocide. You know, that's a terrible word to get. If you, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know, you know, Lord, that can't be you. <laughs> I don't understand that word, Lord, genocide. Well, I had to go down to Charlotte, so I called Pastor Noah and said, I got to be down there. I got a couple of errands to run. Can I, can we have lunch? Yeah, we can have lunch. I got some things I want to talk to you about. So he gets in there and he, first thing he says, you ever heard of the Lost Boys? Anybody ever heard of the Lost Boys? Raise your hand. Some of you know about the Lost Boys. Lost Boys are people from Sudan who've been persecuted, and there was like 32,000 boys, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, back in the 80s that escaped Sudan because they were Christians and they were going to be killed by Islamic soldiers. There's been a war going on between the Christians and Muslims in Sudan since the 80s. And if you're a Christian in Sudan, they look for you to kill you. They will kill young boys. Leo, they would kill your son if they came to the village where you and your son lived because they knew one day your son would grow up and be, become a Liberation Army soldier. So they go ahead and kill them when they're little and set the villages on fire and rape the women. That's what they do, okay? I mean, you know, that all concerns us, right, because that's over in Sudan in Africa and it ain't right here in our front of our face, you know? Well, Pastor Noah asked me if I knew. I said, yeah, I've heard of the Lost Boys. I've read some articles in, in these persecuted Christians magazines about them. Well, he says, there's 30 of them that live in Charlotte. And he said, how would you like to go see them? I said, yeah, I'd love to go see them. And he gave me this article. And the article says, will Bush stop Sudan genocide? Okay. Well, now, I knew right then... God gave me that word genocide. I didn't really understand it. I was trying to discount it, saying that ain't God. That God was talking to me. Okay? I knew he wanted me to go see these guys. So we go over to this apartment. You know, and I'm just as dumb as I can be. We go over there, and he takes me in there. He had just met him himself. And uh, it's honestly, it smelled bad in there. 
these guys had lived in a refugee's camp until six months ago. For years, they grew up. They're like 21, 22-year-old boys now, or men. And they had lived most of their life running. These guys have seen horrendous. They've seen people killed. Half of them were killed. They've seen people drown. They've seen people being burned alive. They've seen people die of disease. So here I am sitting in there in this apartment that was, by our standards, would be pretty disgusting. But by their standards, they were blessed. You know, first thing Pastor Noah said, you know, they just stack their clothes over here because they don't know any better. You know, you know, they just stack their stuff everywhere. And I was sitting there thinking, Lord, what in the world am I doing in here? You know, because I'm looking into the, to the, to the face of people who have been persecuted for the gospel, who have lost their families for the gospel, who have suffered untold. You can see it on some of them. Their teeth look like they... You know, you know, that was one thing that struck me. Some of them had missing teeth. And these are 21-year-old boys, okay, and had teeth that were gone. And, and some of their teeth looked terrible because they probably spent years not having personal hygiene and stuff. You hear what I'm saying to you? And I was sitting there, and it was just, man, I mean, it was real, I was really bothered. I thought, I, don't, I have nothing to say to these people. Not a word. I was so thankful to be with Pastor Noah, who knew how to talk to them, started telling them things they need to do to be able to survive in American culture and how not to be led astray. Because I'm going to tell you, these boys were just like our boys. What I'm wanting to be a doctor. What I'm wanting to be a civil engineer. What I'm just wanting to get is GED. Yeah, they got jobs. They're going, they work for uh, TJ Maxx in their warehouse. There's a bus that comes by and picks up 30 of them and takes them to work every day at 3 o'clock, and they work. But I feel like the Lord was saying, now listen, Byron, this, these, the gospel is not about these people, okay? You could get brokenhearted over people all day long. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's not about people, because the world's full of people like that are hurting. They're all around us. They don't have to come to Sudan. They don't have to be persecuted Christians. But I'll tell you something. There's something greater than what we've experienced. God has something bigger for us than our little world. You hear what I'm saying? Paul said it was my gospel. He embraced the gospel. That's what he said. Let me read that scripture to you. Are you all with me? He said in 2 Timothy 2.8, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Is the gospel yours? I mean, seriously, is it yours? Do you own the gospel? And better yet, does the gospel own you? I, I tell you, there's people in here that don't have the gospel. It doesn't own you. If you don't know the Lord, you don't have the gospel, and the gospel doesn't have you. If you are, un, if you are backslidden, you may have the gospel, but the gospel doesn't have you. You hear what I'm saying to you? There's something greater to live for. There's something greater to live for. You hear me? I'm telling you the truth. There's something greater to live for. We are living in a delusion, I think. We've accepted something much lower. If you people who stood up here and accept that your calling is just to preach, you have bitten into one of the biggest lies that the devil will ever have given you. Because you are called to preach, but you've been separated into the gospel ministry. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. There's a big difference 
Let me read this to you. Are y'all following me? Because you're just looking at me like, what is he talking about? Romans 1.1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Did you catch the difference? Called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. That's what he was separated to. He wasn't separated to his calling. He wasn't separated to his ministry. He wasn't separated to his church. He wasn't separated to his little thing that he wanted to do with his life. He was separated to something bigger. He took it personal. He took the gospel personal. You hear what I'm saying to you? It was his. And he saw the gospel as being something important where he didn't have to go around being offended and upset and messed up and having difficulties with people all the time like we do. You see, in the church, we're constantly struggling with that kind of thing. And I believe one of the reasons is because we have such a little vision, such a low-level life. Well, there's something greater. This is what the Lord spoke to me one time. A lot of you have heard me tell this. I was, this has been several years ago. I had this opportunity to go to Cuba. The night before I was going to Cuba, I really wasn't real happy about going, you know, on a natural level because I was sort of scared. But I had this little thing on my wall, which I don't have it on my wall anymore. I hid it. It's this ordination document, ordination document, you know, like a diploma kind of thing you get when you do something, something happens in your life. They give you this document to let you remember it. And I was reading that thing. And it said this, had my name, blah, 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 ordained to be a pastor. He didn't have that, which really shocked me. But I guess I never really read it. I didn't realize what I was ordained to. It said this, ordained to the gospel ministry. And at that moment in my life, right that moment, right before I was fixing to walk my heart out the next morning, get on an airplane, and leave my family that I'd rather be with, I realized that God has something bigger for me than just being a pastor. I realized that. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And when I got over there to Cuba, it hit me even worse. <laughs> it started trying to work itself out in my life. And it's been trying to work itself out in my life ever since then. And I know I have uh, felt in my heart things about wanting you know, to be in the ministry and wanting to do good and, and all that stuff, wanting to be anointed and all that. You know, which all that was, was, is fine. But in one sense, a lot of it's a dead end. Um, because if we don't see and, and look the way Paul, if we don't act the way Paul, shoes untied. If we really don't get a vision for the gospel, okay, if we don't get a vision for the gospel, our lives are going to be falling short of what God has for us. Because I came back asking the Lord, why in the world I meet those Sudan people? Lord, I'm the last person in the world that needs to meet people like that. I can't help those people. Them people probably could help me. You know, those people have went through stuff I've never gone through. That I hope I never have to go through. You know? But I feel like what it is, is, is God is saying this. He's saying, listen, Byron, I really have called you to be a pastor. You know, I really have called you to do that. But that's not the big picture. The gospel's the big picture. And sometimes the gospel is going to put you in a situation 
where your preaching ain't going to do you no good. You know? Where your pastoring ain't going to do you no good. And everything you think you know is not going to help you. Because they're not sitting in a, in a church where you're trying to lead a meeting or you're, not, or you're not sitting in your office trying to counsel somebody or talk to them about their problems. You know, you're sitting and you're facing a situation that is so far beyond you that you can't do anything. Now, that's where the gospel is going to take people. You see, an immature person would want to jump up and say, well, I'm going to move to Sudan and help those people. I say an immature person. You know, at one time in my life, that may have been my response. But that's not the Lord, you know, unless the Lord speaks to you and tells you that's what He wants to do, you to do. Because the Lord wants us to give our lives to the gospel here today, right now. You know, He really does want us to really be separated unto the gospel. He doesn't want us to be separated in the church. But here's, here's what's going to happen when you're separated in the church. They're going to get, you're going to get mad because they're going to do something there you don't like. Or somebody's going to treat you or misuse you. Or you're going to get you know, slapped around by somebody. Something's not going to work out right, okay? That's, not, that's why we're not separated into the church. We're separated into the gospel. Now, the church is a part of the gospel, it's a, but it's a part. And a part only is an expression to help people be equipped in, in, in a place where people can be safe, in a place where people can worship. But God has something greater than what we've got. You know why we don't have miracles? You know why Paul had miracles? You know why Peter had miracles? Yeah. And they weren't just interested in doing the stuff that we are interested in doing. Having better churches, trying to design services that will make everybody happy. And Are you all with me? You know, because I really think this is what the Lord's trying to say to us. Is our vision is too little. Your vision is too little. My vision is too little. There's something more. There's another dimension. It's the gospel. That's the other dimension God wants to step us into. That's where the power is. Everybody wants the power. Everybody wants to see people heal and change. Well, that's where it's at. It's in that, and that's why we've got to have preachers of the gospel. Not preachers of church. Not preachers of gift, of their gift. Not preachers of themselves. We've got to have people that will preach that gospel message in whatever form it takes. Because obviously us Christians who've been Christians for many years need to hear the gospel again. We need to find out what does the gospel have to say to a Christian who's been, who's been in the Lord 25 years. You've walked with God 25 years diligently and you've loved Him and you've tried to do what was right. You've given your money. You've, you've pursued God.